happening ladies and gentlemen grab a glass get comfy and welcome to the first ever episode the pilot episode of fantasy highland uh, where the football's fake the takes are real and so is the whiskey um we're gonna have a short wind up today because the show went way long and since we were talking to scott fish that's a good thing um but just a real quick word on what this show is um Fantasy Highland is a show where, you know, that'll pop up every, you know, a couple times a month probably, uh, where yours truly uh, will be joined by one of our galaxy-brained fantasy friends uh, who also shares my, our, uh, passion for all things whiskey. So, uh, had a really good time chatting with Scott. Uh, we went, gosh, almost like an hour and a half, uh, and I didn't edit out, edit it, I didn't edit out anything, um, as you can tell. <laughs> um, so let's just get right to it. Um, hopefully we'll be back uh, next week or the week after. I'm trying to wrangle TJ Hernandez into this uh, guest seat next, and then we've got a couple other people lined up. Um, so without any further ado, uh, here's my conversation uh, with the great Scott Fish. Okay, folks, at this time, um, I would like to welcome the great, the venerable, the one and only Scott Fish to the program. You know Scott from Twitter, you know him from Fantasy Cares, um, from Safe Leagues, uh, from the Commish Pod, um, and obviously he's the guy who runs the Scott Fishbowl, and um, he's also a whiskey maven. So uh, we've really hit the trifecta and then some. Scott, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, it's good to be on. I, I do love my whiskey. I, I love all of those things you mentioned: fishbowl, safe leagues, fantasy cares, charitable elements to leagues. Yeah, I love all this stuff. And they all love you, my friend. Um, so I'm sitting here, and I, I, should we? This is the the first episode ever of the the Fantasy Island podcast. Should we should we uncork these bottles? Well, yeah, let's do it. I can. Uh, I'm gonna do my best right here. All right. That was okay. It was a all squeaker. Right. Let's try this one. Oh yeah, you win. <laughs> There's probably more whiskey in yours. I think I'm down to my last two oh, drams of this. Mine stuff. is brand new. I yeah. like I just opened it right before the show here. Better, better acoustics. Yeah. Um, so you and I have been trying to pot for a while. We finally got this together, um, and I guess it's sort of poetic that you know it would have been just straight fantasy football, but now we're sitting here with whiskey, which is uh, yeah. which is probably better. I'm thinking. Yeah, I got um, uh, a Balvenie. Uh, 14 Caribbean cask is the one we're going to talk about. Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. I'm sitting here. I'm holding one in my hand. And thank you. Actually, before you and I started recording, you you, you corrected my pronunciation. I was going Balvini. It's Balvini. Hey, I I did. I said Balvini for a good six, seven years before I I real before I learned it was Balvini. <laughs> So. Yeah, I I was telling you, I, I I called it Islay for a good year until someone's like, dude, it's Isla. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> Glen, Glen Morangi, too. It's, you yeah, got to, you got to get the word orange in there. It's it's, it's Glen Morangi or Morangi. <laughs> you would think that, like Scottish stuff would be easier to pronounce. You, you would think so. 
my man that's <laughs> that's one thing i love about my wife she she spent a good amount of time learning learning scottish gaelic which ah. which is really really fun when we uh travel to scotland the, to have have me the scottish guy not know scottish gaelic and her to like when you go into the like the high highlands when you go north the more north you go the more they they have signs with the scottish gaelic on it and stuff she's like that means that and no um, you know that's i you know you would think me being the guy hosting this show i know that it's made in what like Dufftown or something like that but is Balvenius Balvany? Is it a space side or is it a Highland? No, it's a Highland. It is a Highland. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, so, you know what? Before we get into the this particular expression, let's, if you don't mind, give me a little bit of your history in terms of, you know, how you got into whiskey. Maybe it, if there was a particular whiskey that sort of lit your fire, that kind of thing. Oh, man. I, I honestly think it was this specific um caribbean cask balvani nice <laughs> believe it or not um I, well, I i mean you've been talking ever since i've known you've known you you've talked about this particular whiskey and i'm the bottle i'm drinking right now um oh. i bought at christmas because i said all right i'm finally gonna get this scott says i gotta get it and i'd want a league i had a little cash i'm like all right i'm gonna celebrate and man am i glad i did it yeah so i just wanted to correct for a second i mean it's it's uh so it is in space side but it's it's a highland whiskey so okay i got you (laughs) it's 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 kind of like the um i don't know it's kind of like the the people who often are like uh they they don't realize bourbon is a whiskey and scotch is a whiskey they you know what i mean right right like yeah so that's one of the cool things it's funny like i mean i've always been i've always liked whiskey but only a really just a handful of years ago did I really get into really tasting the whiskey and getting into the history of it. But it it really is remarkable how you can like taste the part of the country it's from just by tasting. I mean, like if you give me an Isle of whiskey and don't tell me what it is, I might not be able to pick the brand out, although I might, but I'll definitely be able to say, Hey, that's an Isla, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah, those those Isla. Uh, <laughs> you say Isla, I say Isla. Uh, but uh, um, either way, yeah. <laughs> I, what am I actually? And I'm going on a tangent here, which I shouldn't do. Those but, are those are plainly obvious. Yeah, <laughs> one of my new absolute favorite whiskeys um, is an Isla whiskey, but it's not peated. Um, it's the Brucladic Classic Laddie, which I just I can't stop drinking this stuff. If you've never tried it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, so I, I I don't think I've ever had an I I like I love that now now I'm completely just thrown after knowing how to pronounce it for my pra- practically 15 years. Um, but uh I don't know that I've ever had one that wasn't Pete. Uh Pete, Yeah, no, Pete. same thing. Same thing. I I've, I've had uh like seven different whiskeys from there, but they're all not just peated, but fairly heavily peated. Um, and, and obviously the Brooklotics are like crazy peated, um, some of them. Um, but this one is just, it, it actually took me a, a couple minutes to actually believe it wasn't peated. I'm like, no, I can, because it tastes so Isla, even though there's no peat, which was what was interesting to me. And it, that's when I learned like, wow, there really is an Isla flavor right. that beyond the smoke, you know, which is cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I mean, you assume that there is, but there, there's got to be, but I just haven't had one. Like I'm so right. used to like the LaFrogs and the, the, you know, the, the, of course the Lago, Lagavulin and those are my wife's favorites. My wife loves wife whiskey. Smoke. Okay. I yeah, am yeah. not, I am not a PD whiskey guy. My, my wife, LaFrog, Absolutely. She likes uh, Lagavulin. She likes um, uh, Ardbeg. She loves Ardbeg. Ardbeg is, Ardbeg is heavy duty. Yes. And that, that is that, got, like, if I, like, one thing I like to do is I'll take like a glass of just Jameson. Cause I, I like to drink cheap stuff to, you know, so I can make rent um, yeah, yes. mortgage, but whatever. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. She, if, she if, loves, if she take, loves the Isla whiskeys. That's yeah, sure. it, but if you just take like a whole entire like pour like a, pour a whole glass of um of Jameson, just put one drop of Ardbeg in there, and yeah. it's smoky. Oh, absolutely, one drop. Yeah, yeah, it just <laughs> I'm it sorry, just crushes. Go ahead. No, it just crushes. It it just that flavor is so overpowering. It could take over anything. Yeah, so like for me, the whiskey that sort of like turned me around and like made me just sort of lean in and start trying more whiskeys, oddly enough, and I'm not a big Glenlivet guy, but I was given as a gift a bottle of Glenlivet 15, which is sherry cask finish. Okay. And it was really, really good. You know, that 12 to 18 range is really, I, I was watching a documentary on Scotch once that, that the, the guy was saying, when you get in the higher, higher years, you're really paying for the rarity and not as much the yes. taste. Yes. And the 12 to 18 range is just the perfect age range for Scotch. And, That's uh, been my experience. Yeah, well. it, mine too. Mine as well. It it feels like when you're down around the 12s, like the, the Doublewood Balvaney and the 12 McAllen and stuff like that, I feel like it's it's uh you know more intro level scotch intro level is a weird way to say it but it's the kind of scotch that's not super unobtrusive that that people you know can uh can drink and and like and it doesn't have as much bite as some of the the more aged ones right right and it's and it's interesting though like certain like different places can go earlier i mean like a talisker 10 does not feel Oof. like it's been shorted on on time Right. Um, whereas some others, you really need that extra time. So it's, it's interesting. Sure. Like it, it seems like depending on the place, um, the age Man. factor sort of comes in different. <laughs> you and just dropped like, two that I really don't love. <laughs> Talisker oh, and Glenlivet. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah, big on well, either of those. <laughs> I, no, it's, it's funny. Glenlivet is not, I, I also am not a big Glenlivet, but the 15 Sherry was so different. I mean, it was just so different. I like um, that. I like when the, those happen. Yeah, and it's same kind of thing for me. I, I mean, I like Glenfiddich more than Glenlivet, but I, I mean, I'm not like a huge fan. But the 14 year old Glenfiddich that's finished in bourbon, mm-hmm. that's pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I can, I can see that being nice. So yeah. you, you find when they they're finished in in bourbons or rums or you know those sweeter type of casks that that it yeah it adds something to it that i just uh i just enjoy yeah well and that includes the thing the 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 expression that we're drinking the caribbean cask 14 and what's interesting i was just reading about it the other day because i knew we were going to be doing this and and this is something i i didn't know and I, i was sort of surprised when i read it but first of all it's age 14 years in the normal cask Mm -hmm. and then they finish it after 14 years in the rum cask, but the rum casks are actually bourbon casks 
that their malt master fills up with rums that he chooses. <laughs> nice. Did you know that? I did not know that. That's nice. So, this is something I got from the, I mean, I don't think Balvini's lying to me. This is on their site. Um, so I, actually, I'll read the, to create the ideal finish, malt master, David C. Stewart, MBA filled, okay, MBE filled American oak casks with his own blend of select West Indian rums. So that's huh. sort of interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I wonder how, A, how long do they soak? You know what I mean? Right. Like you don't just pour it in and pour it out. No, right. It's got to yeah. be in there a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I definitely find that sometimes like a port finish, a sherry finish, a bourbon finish, mm-hmm. in this case, a rum finish. I don't know what it is that it does, but maybe it's a more round feel, um, a little bit, you know, it's just a little bit sweeter and, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. It's, uh, I, I generally prefer the rum finishes to the sherry finishes almost, almost universally. Um, now this is the only rum finish I've ever tried. Really? Have, yeah. Oh, man. Can you, give me some more examples. Well, have you, uh, have you ever tried the, like, I don't know if it's Grangastone or Grange stone. Um, no. it's a, it's a, it's a Highland single malt, um, they have, they have, you know, sherry finishes, rum finishes, uh-huh. et cetera. And that's one of those that, um, I got like a three pack of three of their different types of finishes and it's, it's very clearly distinct, which one, which is which, and, and, and the rum finish is easily my favorite. I, I would, ha- and, and the reason I like to recommend that one is cause it's, it's like a $25 bottle of whiskey Really, and, and it's, and it's really good. It's kind of like, it's kind of like. I, I would put it in my my Highland whiskey range of uh, like Buffalo Traces for bourbon, I, and I'm sure you know okay. Buffalo Trace. It's like yeah, a, sure. it's a thirty dollar Kentucky straight bourbon that's yep. just it's good and it's smooth and it's only thirty bucks and uh, it's 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 one of those that if you have a friend that just doesn't really drink whiskey. Um, but you want to introduce him to a whiskey you, or a bourbon, you, you grab a Grange of Stone rum finish for that guy, or you grab a Buffalo Trace uh, bourbon for that guy, and he'll be, you're, you're not going to turn him off. Okay. One whiskey that I've had a lot of success with in terms of sharing it with people, and I'm so uh-huh. bummed out because I can't get it anymore, okay. but it's, it's made by Nika. It's their coffee malt. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't. It's really amazing. It, they make it in a coffee still. Um, and it's, it's got these really like rich kind of like dark chocolate kind of notes to it. It, It's it's just a really wonderful whiskey. It's got a sweetness to it. It's, I'd love it as my last dram of the day, but (laughs) it's like people have picked up on it. I was getting, and this is the tough thing for me with whiskey is it's, I'll get, actually, I want to riff on this a little bit later, but I mean, I was getting this stuff, you know, between 65 and 70 a bottle. And now all of a sudden it's 99. So. Yeah, that's a gut punch. Like if yeah. I had known that was going to happen, I would have bought a case at sixty five. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really annoying. It's, yeah, and I I don't know why they did that, <laughs> but, well, but people like it. There, there there are a ton of options in that six in really in the fifty five to seventy five range. There just that's like where tons of good stuff. Yeah, just tons of good stuff, and that's where I live. I, I live in that range of whiskey. And, well, and another interesting thing about that range is that range is going to be different depending like where you live. For example, like when I go up to Boston, cause I have a, you know, I have a job in Boston. I go up there occasionally when I go to liquor stores up there, I'm just like, 
blown away in a bad way at how low the prices are. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, Lagavulin for 68 bucks. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, you know, um, one of my favorite American single malts is this stuff called Westland American mm-hmm. Whiskey. And you can get that for 60 bucks up there. It's just insane. Um, so like I now, whenever I go up to Boston, I, I come back with like an armful of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, but I live in New York and it's brutal down here. Everything's expensive. Yeah. There are a lot of, have you ever had like the, the Akintoshans, Triple Woods or American, American Oak or American I Oak? have. I had it at my friend's house. I've, I, so I, I had Those like a are couple wonderful of in that price range. Yes. He likes it quite a bit. I mean, my favorites in the, in the 50 ish range are probably what I was telling you before the Brook Lodic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Highland Park 12. Okay. Um, and then the other one would probably be this American single malt that I like. It's called Cole Keegan and it's, it's, it's a smoked whiskey. It's an American single malt smoked, but it's with mesquite. Huh? And it's righteous. You should try it. I, I have not had that, but I, I like mesquite flavored stuff. Oh, it's, so. yeah, no, like you have this <laughs> barbecue and it's like legit. They like actually go together. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I can see the bottle from here. It's C-O-L-K-E-G-A-N. It's good stuff. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so where, how would, let, let's get into the Caribbean cask for a second. And we haven't done any football yet, but how would you describe, you know, from nose to mouth to finish, you know, what, what Caribbean cask is like? Sweet. <laughs> it's probably the best way to describe it, given that I, I love my, uh, Balvini 21 Portwood and, uh, we uh, got you that when you, um, for that league we were in that year, what, I can't remember which league we got. It might've been the first year of Capitalist Pigs. I, yeah, I, I actually think, wasn't it just like a thank you from the fantasy industry after a, a fishbowl more, more like, it, no, I think, I think it yeah. was, I think it was cat pigs. Cause we had a, we had a list of people with, uh, John Bosch ran p- point on that. Okay. Um, and I, I, I remember we got, you, I feel Alan, Alan helped out with that too. Alan. That, helped with yeah. That. You know what? You're probably right. I, I, yeah, Alan was sorry. Um, but I remember we got you the 21 and we also yep. got like a spa day for your wife or something. Yes, like you did. Which is very, very awesome. But, uh, and, where, where I was going is compared to the, the 21 Balvini Balvini and the, uh, the 12 double wood, which, which is one I always like to recommend to someone yeah. starting well, out. You know, my story is that you kept telling me to get the 14. Every time I went in, the 12 was on sale for like 52. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I got to get this. And I kept getting undercut on my quest to buy a 14. Sorry, uh, I cut you off. Keep no, going. you're good. The The 12 is, is one of my favorites. Just like, it's, it's probably in your, your discussion of daily drams that it's just, it's just a light, nice, easy, not too, not too much bite, just, just a, a smooth, smooth, really smooth, uh, uh, whiskey. So in comparison to those two, the Caribbean cask is, it's almost like a bourbon. It's so sweet. It, it, yeah. Scotch. I, like I mean, I'm drinking it now. And one thing I, I like the way it finishes, it's just yeah. very, I don't know what the word is. It's, I think my favorite part of this might be the finish. Okay. Yeah. Th- this is, I mean, I don't know how many of the Balvanies you've had, but th- it's very much a Balvanie thing. That just the 12 and just the 12, just the double wood and the 14. Their finish is just 
superb. Like it's the best finish out there for my money. <laughs> it's yeah, it, no, it really it, is. all it's of them is just, just a smooth finish. And some, some whiskeys will give you like a really warm sensation. This gives, these gives you a little of that, but not, yeah. not like an overbearing amount of it. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I mean, I don't understand what makes a good finish, what makes a bad finish. Like, I mean, like, like Lagavulin 16, for example, is very smoky on the front end. And then Lagavulin 8 is smokier on the back end for me. At least that's how I experience yeah. it. And but I, I can't, I, I can't tell you why it's like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody has their preference too with, with how right. they prefer it. Like my wife likes it, likes things really like almost to the point of tasting like a campfire. <laughs> that's She wants a really warm campfire as her. As it's, her. Well, you know. I went through that phase where it was like more smoke, more smoke. How much smoke can I endure? Just yeah. smoke, smoke, smoke. And now I've gotten to a point where I, I enjoy smoke quite a bit, but I, I'm more into the Highland Park, Oban 14 level oh, of smoke versus, man. say, Lagavulin, which is really heavy. Yeah. It, it, the last time we went to Scotland, we we went and uh, toured and uh, – Oban and uh, Dalwini were two of my favorite. Dal- Dalwini has this honey whiskey that you like this. The last time I was there was before honey whiskeys were really even a thing in the States. Like now, like there's about a billion honey whiskeys you see on right. the shelf. Right. right. But uh, I tried it there and it's still the best honey whiskey I've ever, ever tried. I don't even know. I've never seen it in the States either, but uh, every time oh, I see that, go ahead. I, I, w- I just went on a tangent after you said Oban because it reminded me of of the last time I went to Scotland and and yeah no I, was, I'm a, I, Oban is a one high, of my highlight for me. Well, I, every time I see the uh, the Ron Swanson Lagavulin commercial, I want to make a trek to freaking Scotland. It's it's, <laughs> it's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. Right. Um, but so when I said Oban, you perked up. Now is that because of the trip, or are you an Oban fan as well? Oh, I'm a fan of it as well. It's the trip plus. You know, the, just 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 in general, it's it's a good whiskey. Yeah, there's there's something about, and that's another one where the finish is so clean. Mm-hmm. There's sort of an, it's got a very interesting finish. I don't even know how to. It's almost got, I want to say, like the same kind of finish I get with a rye, but a very different taste. <sighs> but that that sensation I get in my nose on the finish, it's wonderful. Mm. Uh, I don't know yeah. if I'm explaining that very well or not. Um, <laughs> We're about to talk about my least favorite, one of my least favorite whiskeys. <laughs> Do it. Go for it. Just when you mentioned rye. So I, I like Basil Hayden's as, as just, uh, you know, just a nice, nice little whiskey. Um, I sometimes mix it because it's so unobtrusive. It just, Mm -hmm. I I like Basil Hayden's, but there is a Basil Hayden's Caribbean dry rye. Have you tried this? I have not. And that's a pretty loaded product. Yes, it is. It is arguably the the worst whiskey. It's no, I shouldn't say that because there are some like cheap bad whiskeys. Yeah, but the, the only time I've ever gotten a whiskey where I'm good. like, this is legit bad. I got a bottle of um, man, what is it? Oh yeah, uh, Tomatin Twelve. Okay, sure. Yeah, I've had. I, I, I got it on a recommendation, and it I don't know, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, it was like I, complex in a bad way. I will be completely honest. I know I've bought it. I've probably bought it twice. I, I feel like I bought it a couple times, and I cannot remember it. So what yeah. is like? I've been making uh, I've been making uh, Godfathers out of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, that Basil Hayden's uh, Caribbean Dry Rye, I believe it is, was just not good. And sadly, I've had two bottles of it. 
it's it's one of those you like i don't know how i think the second one or the first one was you know just my wife picked it up um she knows that she likes to try to find whiskeys i've never tried and just pick them up you know and i i think that that was one of the reasons oh my that, God. And, you well, married really well yeah 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 t- i yes she 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 very often uh picks up whiskeys just just thinking i haven't tried them and if my home. wife ever walked in the door with a bottle of whiskey going, I just thought you'd want to try this. After I fainted, I would definitely repropose. <laughs> uh, she's pretty good, though. She's pretty spot on she, with she her. She proves my purchases, though. That's really all I can ask for. Nah, nice. Very nice. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we did mention the the Balvani 21. It is the, Balv- the 14 that we're drinking is... It was my 1.01. I mentioned this on Twitter. My right, favorite right. whiskey for the longest time until I met the 21. And now the 21 is my favorite. It, it, cause it probably cause it's a lot less sweet. And as I've gotten older, I prefer it less sweet. See, for me, that would be like when I used to drive my Jetta and someone would let me try their Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is great, but I'm never going to drive this again. Right. But it's it's really good and and that that Balvini the Balvini uh, twenty one Portwood was my favorite and it probably still is but I went on a cruise about three four years ago and I had something called the the Glenmorangie uh, Signet. Um, Ooh, I've heard of that. <laughs> and it was all that, huh? Yeah, we were. I mean, like it was f- like forty five fifty dollars a shot, and my wife and I are like, okay. Let's try it, you know, and all the, and I, and sometimes you wonder if, if that pricing comes into your brain and tells you that it's extremely good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think on some level. Yeah. On some level, it's like, this is supposed to be draft. It's the draft capital of whiskey. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like, this should be good because it costs so much and and it was extremely good and we couldn't find it when we got back to the States and whatnot. And, and, uh, probably within the last six months or so um, my wife was able to procure a bottle for me and it is just as good as I remembered. And it's arguably top two with that Balvani and the cap, the, the, you pop the cork, the cork with the cap probably weighs a half a pound to a pound. It's Damn. It's insane. This this bottle. It's, it just screams quality. I, I was at, <laughs> yeah. I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding about two years ago, and I I was lucky enough to notice that the uh, it was an open bar, and they had a bottle of um, McAllen eighteen. Mm. <laughs> and wow. I went back to the bar several times. Oh night. yeah. And then, like, I mean, I fell in love very quickly with McAllen eighteen. Um, and then I, of course, went to the store the next week and priced up a bottle and almost passed out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be bad, <laughs> but it was even worse than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I, uh, I looked at gain one of those for my, my brother once for a birthday or Christmas or something. And then was real, then realized real quickly that was really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hey, um, while we're enjoying this whiskey and I am enjoying mine, by the way, hopefully you're enjoying yours as well. Um, no, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> a top five whiskey for me. So yes. Before we get into like generic fantasy football stuff, since like since you are like one of the like commissioner gods in our industry, along with oh, like boy. 
Ryan and a couple other people. Listen, man, you're going to have to live with it. It's just, <laughs> it's what is. Um, but while I've got you here, this is obviously a very unique yeah. football season we're about to embark on. And from a commissioner perspective, particularly in Dynasty, there's some things you got to sort of prepare for. Um, some you do and uh, some you don't and people are overreacting to. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think you're probably right on that. You obviously sort of know where I'm going here. But is there anything you'd like to just sort of go off the cuff? Any recommendations to guys who are running dynasty leagues um, as far as little sure. things they might want to look out for this year? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, first off, if you off, don't have anything, don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I, I, I could probably talk commissioning stuff all day long. It's my, it's my job. It's my literal full time so job. Man. I run, I run three leagues, and it feels like so much. And then I talk to you, and I feel like I don't even want to mention anything that's going on. This year, I'm going to be up over a thousand total leagues that I run. Oh my god, that's unreal. Yeah. All right, go unload. What advice would you have for commissioners out there who run a dynasty league? you know, potholes that they might be looking at over the next couple of months, man. Well, the basics are the, I always, I always lean to the basics where you're, I mean, if you, if you have a dynasty league, you should, you know, try to close every loophole you can in the bylaws, but sure. you, you can't always close every bylaw, everything in the bylaws. And I always I've tell, been able to. no, absolutely. And, and one of the problems with that is when you come into an area where, there's no rule on it or whatever. And people get upset. You make something up on the spot. So I always tell people you need a best interest clause in your bylaws yes. so that you can point at it and say, guess what? I have this in here for a reason so that I'm allowed to close this loophole, you know, like, cause there are a lot of times a, a, an owner will say, well, it's not in the rules. There's nothing against it. You can't unilaterally make this decision. That's why I tell people, have a best interest clause that says something in the neighborhood of this, like should circumstances, issues, or problems arise for which a remedy is not stated in the rules, the commissioner reserves the right to take whatever actions he deems necessary in the best interest of the league. And, and that, that clause, yeah, exactly. That clause generally can shut up someone that, that <laughs> finds a loophole and, and states, it's not in the rules and the commissioner can go, you know what, this, this is not in the best interest in the league. We're closing this loophole. Now I have this clause for it. That's really, I mean, that's just good general advice for any league. And, and, and this is, I think to your point, this is a year where you might end up using that clause. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's where, that's probably the next step where I was going with, uh, with, you know, starting there. Um, you need to you need to be upfront with your league this year. <laughs> you you need to prepare for the possibility that there is, you know if there's no season that's what it is what it is and that's an easy right. thing to deal with. But if it's a shortened season, uh, I've I've been telling commissioners you need to prepare a couple possibilities and have your league know that these are possibilities. That if it's a shortened season, if your league host. A, allows a head-to-head -head season with playoffs like if if they're able to create it you know uh, like if mfl has the option to create a shortened schedule with playoffs you'll try that but the best way to go about your league this year if it's like an eight game season or a 10 game season and your host can't do it it's going to be total points or all play really right pete like if it, it's it's going to be a lot easier than trying to create a schedule on the spot 
um, if your host doesn't have the ability to do it. Okay. So, so what you're talking about now, are you talking about playoffs right now? I'm talking about, well, if I'm talking about, if there's a partial season, right? Re, the regular season has to be total points or all play probably because the host might not be able to get a schedule ready for you, but maybe they will. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. If they will. Great. But, uh, you have to have uh, backup plans in place. If the host can't do anything, you can easily just tell your league, you know what, we want to be this, but this year, you know, things things are shortened. The host can't get a head-to-head schedule together for a seven-week season or a nine-week season or right. ten, whatever it is. We're going to go all play. We'll have a two-week playoffs at the end or whatever um, and, and make it work that way. But you have to let your league know – what your backup plan is. Um, that that's what I'm telling, what I'm telling people to put in their bylaws is we're going to do, if we can't make a schedule, it's just going to be all play or total points until the playoffs. Um, No, that makes sense. My big fear is, did I cut you off? Oh, I, I have a few more things I was kind of talking about, but go, go, go keep, keep, keep keep going. Cause my, I can, I can get to my thing later. Keep going. Well, I just wanted to mention the supplemental draft thing. Uh, yes, we, that was the heart of my question. Go ahead. <clears throat> Ryan and I, excuse me, I'm going to cough for a second. Here. Go for it. Mute my mic. Uh, so Ryan and I on Dynasty Blueprint about six weeks ago, we brought up this idea of possibly NFL players like Travis Etienne or Chuba Hubbard uh, coming into the supplemental if the college season got canceled. Right. As a, hey, that would be fun. What if idea? A few weeks pass and boom, Twitter just explodes with the idea that this is a very real possibility, et cetera, et cetera. And Ryan and I have been inundated daily with questions about how to handle it since. Suddenly glad I didn't send you a question. (laughs) And since that moment, we have been so annoyed because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and we love questions coming to us, but it's, it's like, have you been watching the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan? Uh, you know, I haven't, but I okay. know I'm going to at some point. Well, I hear it's great. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. But uh, Ryan made this, uh, this comparison the other day that in Jordan's uh, 98 season with the Bulls, every single city he went to, um, every reporter is like, so is this your last game against in this city, et cetera? Like every single place, like there was nothing new. And, and uh, that's how Ryan and I felt. But where yeah. I'm going with the supplemental thing is we always framed it after the you know fun idea thing that this is an extreme long shot, extreme long shot. Yeah, basically, it is. What, yeah, what it, has to happen also, is it's also not really that hard to deal with. It's not. It's not. And and that's what I said is it's no different that for for me in my leagues it, it's what three four five players for me in my leagues we were just gonna handle them as free agents just like when Philip Lindsay comes out of nowhere or Romo retires and Dak Prescott's a huge pickup or or with Locke and Brissett or when Gronk unretires like it's just gonna be more of them it's not that hard to deal with but we kept saying what needs to happen is college has to be canceled before July completely canceled not postponed the NCAA has to declare those players ineligible, which they've already made the decision about spring practices and not getting a year of eligibility, et cetera. So they've already been anti-player on their decisions. Then the player has to declare. Then the NFL has to approve them. 
And so we were annoyed for weeks until last week, Pete, when <laughs> when the beautiful, beautiful thing happened for me and Ryan, and we could finally talk about it on our podcasts. Where the uh, it's widely sourced. Yahoo Sports has it. Uh, Bleacher Report has it. Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, I think, was the first one to break it. But the NFL has been going around telling players or p- telling agents and teams and et cetera, et cetera, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> they, they they basically went around saying we're only going to allow p- play, we're only going to approve players for the supplemental draft for the normal reasons. Basically stating Travis Chuba. Stay in school. You're not getting approved. So yeah. I got you know, so happy when it's widely sourced <laughs> now. So I, I'm so happy that that's out there. Yeah. You know, now I'm sort of tangenting here just off what you just said. But, you know, one of the things I keep coming, and I think this is sort of applicable on some of the mid-range running backs in this year's rookie class. But if we don't have football this year, yeah, I, I think there are going to be some people who went running back maybe mid to late round one, early round two, who are going to sort of wish they went receiver. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think people almost need to take this into account for draft strategy. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Just because, you know, you're basically going for running back because of the short-term situation. And if there's going to be another rookie draft between when your guy actually hits the pavement for you, gosh, there's no way to really do the math on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and that brings up another commissioner issue that both Ryan and I are still a little bit, I mean, we've thought of different ways. It, my, mind you, with the shortened season or with the 20, uh, Pete, the 2021 rookie draft, if there's no season, like how do you right. decide draft order? But well, we, yeah, that, yeah, that, we that keep is saying, I think you have to go imperf- random. Yeah, it's an imperfect ex- imperfect situation. So all the solutions are going to be imperfect. It's just yeah. the nature of what it is. You just have to figure out which one you think is best for your league and do it. Ryan and I on Commission Impossible have, have mentioned several. We've tweeted several different possible ways to handle it. Um, and I think one of the ways is we're going to watch, if there's no season, watch what the NFL does because they have to deal with the same thing for next year. That's a really interesting. I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a great idea. The, I mean, the <laughs> NFL can basically have to make the same essential decision. Yeah. And, and when they make that decision and they do that, maybe that's another way to, you know, tailor whatever they do to your league to do it for your league. Do the opposite of what Goodell does. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a good rule of thumb, actually. Mm. Um, well, and. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing I was actually going to say when we were talking about ways this season could play out. As a commissioner, my nightmare is that we come up with something that makes makes me have to think on my feet as far as how we execute playoffs. You know, right. like if, if the season gets disjointed, if, you know, say there's no week seven, eight, nine, you know what I mean? Uh, but right. then they start playing again and, you know, the, they're, you know, maybe – we finish our regular season and then there are no playoff weeks. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's something that I want to come up with some contingencies for like, okay, you know, if the season just stops yeah, and it doesn't restart and we say we've played 10 weeks, yep. do we just sit there and say, okay, total points decides everything. 
Yep. You know? uh, actually, that's what's I. <laughs> you know me. I'm. Uh, you've you've read my bylaws. They're novels. Um, it's they're yes. like I don't think anyone has fully ever ever read my full bylaws just because they're so so. Let me just say like, when I but this this is gonna be this 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 subtle humble brag. But when I won cat pigs, I was blown away because when I read the rules, yeah, the first thing I said to myself, I'm like maybe maybe. A tenth of the way through the rules, I said to myself, "Man, I am not winning this." <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I went into that first auction with all those people with the eighteen-hour, sixteen, sixteen-hour clock, eighteen-hour clock, whatever it is. Yeah. And everybody else has got like these big grand plans and algorithms, and they're all telling me how they're going to manage their money, and I'm just sitting there going, "Oh man, I am so screwed." Yep. <laughs> I'm so screwed. <laughs> And then I'm like, wait a minute, I've got a thousand bucks. Yeah. And I, I can get Zeke for two hundred. And you get used to it too. Like you like you figure it out on the fly. It's one of those types of leagues that and, and I love that Pigs Leagues are so copied out there. And, and copied in a good way. Like I I'm I'm extremely flattered by it. But it's one of those types of leagues that you describe it or you read about it and you're like you're just confused or it seems like it's gonna be oh. tough, but when you're in it, you you just figure it out. I remember I had a friend over who's a really serious fantasy football player, but he's not, you know, you know, he's not a guy on Twitter or anything. He's just a big time player. Right. Um, and he's like, he's like, dude, you won that big league. I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I did it. He's like, show me your roster. And I showed him the roster. He looks at it. He's like, you won with that roster. <laughs> it's a 14 team league too. I mean, oh, and I've got, and I've got 12 tight ends. I mean, it's, right? it's not 14 teams for the listeners. It's 14 teams times four. Like, so they're, it's a 14 team paradigm Four, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine right. a 14 team roster. That's, that's right, what right. we're dealing with here. You would, yeah, you would strength wise, you would compare it to a 14. team Exactly. League, right? yeah. Strength the roster. And, I, and he looks at my roster. I've got like one, I've got Zeke Elliott and nobody else at running back. I've, you know? Yeah. And, He's like, how could this team possibly win? And I'm like, I explained the tight end scoring to him. And he's like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Those tight end premiums. And only having to start one running back helps, too. Do you want to just, like, for a a brief moment, explain to the audience, like, what I'm talking like, just how premium this tight end is? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't. Actually, I don't, it's different in every league, isn't it's, it? It's different in all three pigs leagues because I'm 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 not the type that like I only create a new pigs league when I have a new idea in my head for something I want yeah, to. You, it's so, been a couple years. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the problem with SFB right now is each year I change the scoring, and right now I'm just like I don't even know what I want to do for the new scoring for SFB. But I want to go back one step about the novel bylaws. Yes. Uh, I I'm very I'm very thorough with this stuff. Uh, Safe leagues already has its clause in it about you know shortened season on one way or the other that it will it will go by if it gets if it gets axed after eight weeks it will go by uh, total points you know to determine first second and third if there's no playoffs I already have that in there. Um, well, that yeah, in a league like that, you got to have that. You have to. Yeah. Uh, and just one, one quick thing, just you're, you're the one person out there who, if you just call me up and say, Hey, you want to do a league? Like it's a default. Yes. Nice. You say, but it's true. And luckily for me, you haven't come up with too many new leagues the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. I haven't, done, I haven't done a startup since 2017 and I'm oh, really man. proud. Yeah. I, you should be. That's I, I got so hard. Dude. I got in this, uh, it, Oh, but yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna. And when you told me Koth is dying, I was like, "Ooh, 
I could add a league. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I thought too. I when when I the, I that's mean those were the first sick thought in my head was I could I could I could add a league. Yeah, I I I didn't want to add any leagues this year, but I uh, I got invited to this uh, best ball dynasty league, which I, I'm already a little bit more intrigued here because I'm not having to manage it quite as much. But it's like like all these cool people and and some people I've just never been in leagues with. You know, right. like uh, just just some people in the motivation for trying to get pigs for because you had a bunch of people you wanted to play with. I remember you talking about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's exactly why I wanted to make pigs for us is for some, you know, some people I've never played with. And uh, so, like, obviously, guys like Matthew Berry and Ryan McDowell and stuff play in SFB. But I've actually never been in a single league, just like a regular league with Matthew Berry or, or Ryan McDowell or like. There's a few others in that league, and I was, and it's a best ball league. Scott Barrett's in that league too, and like I'm like, Barrett's great. Yeah, Barrett's great. Uh, Pete Overzet, like like the whole league is just full of guys. Oh, like nine, yeah, ninety percent of them I've never played in a league with, and I'm like, I got to do this league because. Did you see? Did you see Overzet's thing yesterday about oh, the podcast intros? That was. Oh my god, that was so freaking! I watched funny. that about eleven times. And I couldn't. <laughs> I could not. Stop. He comes in with the cheap fish. Hello, <laughs> hello, welcome to the. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was good. It's really crazy because, like, I do I do a lot of radio, so like. I think when you do radio, you, you learn to like push some inflection out there when you, yeah. t- and, and you have like distinct pauses and you like hit, like you, you get used to doing that. So like, I feel like Especially when, when you do like, when, when you do like those 10 to 15 minute spots. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, it's like okay, you're on. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think especially when you did the 15 minute spots, you, you need, you know, you need energy, but also I used to have a show on Sirius XM two hour, a two hour show on Sirius XM. So I got used to like, when I wanted to make a point about a player, I'd be like, you know, Philip Lindsay averaged 9.2 yards after the, you know, like you, like you, you get used to like having, having enthusiasm, but, but also like, pauses to make your point like to Absolutely. really push it towards a listener and when he did that i i suddenly started second guessing my own podcast i'm thinking to myself i wonder if like i know they're not but man you like you like half second guess your own podcasts when you see it when you when you hear him making fun like that no I, it's like there are a couple people that when i'm on their show they're like oh we've got radio guy voice on the show <laughs> yeah and it's like i i don't even know that I do it, but it is, it's just part of being yeah. like live on air. You have to have energy. You Yeah. I, 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 uh, I worked with Paul Charchian for quite a while and he used to tell me, and, and I still do fantasy football weekly with him on, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's on iHeartRadio. It's, it's a syndicated right. national radio show. Um, in, in fact, it's the longest running fantasy football show. Minnesota is kind of a hotbed for fantasy football. Uh, no yeah, we had like the first fantasy football podcast, or not podcast, uh, radio show, the first fantasy football publication. You have uh, that expo like, in Mini too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, we have a training camp that has, uh, like I do every year, and like 1,500 people show up. I, I don't know if that's going on this year in August. but um, Right, right. But where I was going with that is that he, he used to tell me um, probably like three, four years ago, whatever. He would tell me, you know, if, you, if you're at a six, like – 
if you if you if you have your level to six, you know, like uh, uh you know, turn it up to eleven, you know, type whatever. Um, uh, if you're like a six on a scale of one to ten, coming across the mic, people in their car listening on the radio are going to hear it at like a four. They're going to drown yeah. you out. They're just going to be like driving along. So you need to be at like an eight to a 10. So they like, by the time you get through their radio to, to their ears, you know, you're still at a high energy level. And, and I really took that to heart. True. Yeah. The other thing about, and I don't know what kind of mic setup you have when you do your, your serious show. Yeah. Um, Like I have a whole different rig when I do my live show, um, my, my WEI show. Yep. Um, And what's great about it is that, the, the condenser hookups allow me to get very aggressive with my voice. Whereas if I scream on the mic I'm using now, my AKG, it will not condense my voice as well as the one that EEI has for me. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It's the, the radio. We, we actually go into the radio studio to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can like scream on those mics and they, they keep it going. They keep yeah. it tight. Yeah. Um, so, Hey, um, this is a whiskey pod, but it's also a football pod. We've done a little commish stuff. I, right before we went on air, I was reading Daigle's article today. He did ten fades with some with some you know high end players. Yeah. So you want to go through some of these? Let's do it. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. It's sort of interesting. I mean, I I haven't really thought much about this. That, but and I I don't think these are in order. I, I don't. I, don't think, think, I, I I have not read it yet. You you linked me to it like uh, right before I was putting my kids to bed and stuff. So yeah. so well, I, I, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I skimmed through it and I'm, I got I it open like, right now. Like like I live only about a half hour from the Connecticut headquarters for Roto World, and Daigle and I have gone out for drinks. He's a great guy. Yeah, I've had drinks with Daigle too. Yeah, he's probably not a coincidence, um, but <laughs> he's definitely a really good dude. Yeah. Um, and, and he's a poker player too. So we were going to do like a poker night and a whiskey pod, do it at the same time, like put the mic in the middle of the table, get a couple bottles out and have some fun. And literally we were going to do that in January. And then the uh-huh. COVID, the COVID hit. Yeah. And SFB like, was going to have live drafts all over the country. I know. Yeah. That's right. I totally forgot about that. In fact, when I was in Vegas, uh, like uh, when I was in Vegas, I, I was talking to like, TJ Hernandez was going to have one in, in San Diego and TJ is going to be on this show, by the way. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. TJ, TJ, TJ and I talk whiskey all the time. TJ is a whiskey guy. He's yeah, good. He is such a whiskey. Yeah. We, we've had our whiskeys together, <laughs> uh, but like Jamie Eisenberg, CBS was going to have one in, uh, in Florida. He said, he said he put one on like, we're oh, gonna I, have- I, if we ever get, if we can do that next year, I will absolutely host one here. Yeah. Someone actually tweeted at me that the, you know, SFB 11, the one, one and 11 can really be made into look like the word live pretty easily. Ah, there you go. I, I mean, I, I'll, there's a lot, there's a, a good size New York crew. So we'll get some of them here. We'll get, oh, we'll, get yeah. Frank the, we'll get Frank the tank up here. We'll get, uh, yeah, Dynasty we'll, we'll Frank, get, man. we'll get wrecked fantasy. We'll get a bunch of guys. We'll yeah. There's yeah. New York. There's, you could probably have several live events. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby, do you know, Bobby wrecked fantasy. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's, yeah, he, he he actually is living like twenty minutes from me now because he had to move out of. He he lived in Manhattan with his new wife, but uh, he's out in Westchester uh, living with the folks now. So, very awesome, very awesome, he's very local. Yeah, he's a great guy. Um, so we'll get, we'll get back to this, but the first guy in the list was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, which is interesting. Uh huh. Because it's so weird that I totally agree with this, but I love 
the fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel Air. I love him. Yes, but, but he, he's going. Weird. He's going Go so high now, though. Right, that's the thing. It's all relative to ADP, and I'm seeing this guy mid second. Yep, that's where he's going. Wow. Like, that, like even in dynasty leagues, especially. You know, I I'm. I'm all in on the dy- I like I'm I'm mostly dynasty so I'm I, yeah. I watch him go like almost back to back with Jonathan Taylor in the in that late second. Yeah, I mean I it's I mean it's almost like people were laughing at people for taking Damian Williams like late second last year. Yeah. But there, there wasn't another, you know, rooster in the hen hut like this guy then. Um whereas you know for Hilaire, you know Damian Williams is there. He's pre-existing. Yeah. We know he can play. We know he works in the offense. So I, I would say, yeah, I mean, as much as I love him, Hilaire in the second, that's almost a mandatory fade. And we're talking redraft here for this, right? Yes, like, yes, absolutely. That's, that's the vibe I got out of uh, the quick skim I got that he was talking uh, redraft. Yeah, this, is definitely, this is definitely a redraft. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask you this. In a single QB league, are you locked in to Hilaire's the, the guy at the top or are you thinking differently? Single QB dynasty league, yeah. The, you, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, let me tell you the. You don't play in any of those. I will tell you the super flex trend. The trend from one QB to super flex is more stark than I remember the standard going to PPR trend. Like, hey, you know what? It's Speaking absurd of, that. How about? I'm sorry to cut you off, but you just you just. Because you and I are in this league together, so I know you're going to know what I'm talking about. But how about the differential between the QB prices and the non-QB prices in in the pigs auction? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's in. I mean, wow. <laughs> and and I, I wonder if part of that is because people have started to realize it's a 14 teamer and the 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 your yes. best chance at a quarterback. Uh, you got to get a super flex sports. Also, people have been hoarding money, so it becomes sort of a non-real kind of thing. But yeah. Still, it's just at one point two zero is up around seven hundred bucks, and I'm sitting there getting rugs for two hundred. Yeah, yeah, you I, you could easily get two to three extremely good dynasty assets for the price of of, of, of one Tua or Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, even even Herbert was going yeah. for like four hundred bucks. I, I think what? he I think he topped five hundred in one of them. Oh. Gosh, I mean that's I'm not I, I'm not trying to rip on these QBs. I mean, you know, I'm not a big Herbert guy personally, but I I just don't think he's enough of a lock to spend that kind of money on. Yeah. So back to your question, I do think Ceh is probably the the number one in, in a one quarterback league. It's really tough for me to do the one quarterback league thing, but I let's do super flex. But let's just say first, no, would he be your first he, non quarterback? Yeah, he, he. I think he still would be, and I like in that in that best ball draft I was talking about. Ryan McDowell had the one hundred three and or the one hundred one and the one hundred three, and he took it's super flex, and he took Clyde uh, one hundred one. Okay, so, who did he take three? Uh, he took Burrow because I think I think okay. Taylor went too. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's whip through this list quick because some of these guys and the second guy in the list again. It's like this is almost too easy for me. It's like obvious, but Austin Hooper, I mean, obviously you got to be fading him. If we're talking about relative to last year's numbers, I mean, yeah, no way he hits what he, he did last year. Yeah. So he's an easy one. And then Fournette is three. That's, that's pretty easy for me. I'm, I'm, I'm down with Fournette as a fade. The the weird thing is I didn't, I didn't know that Hooper was really going that high though. Like, I feel like, 
I feel like he's going to be a top 15 tight end, which doesn't is not saying much really when you consider the, right. the landscape of tight ends. But I feel like he's like a double digit round guy still, isn't he? You know what? Here's, here's where you and I and everybody on fantasy football Twitter, we forget that not everybody is on fantasy football Twitter. Oh no, <laughs> trust me. I, I, no, I, I do a know. national radio show, so I'm constantly in the minds of the, the casual player. I, I right. totally the get that. Players did well with Hooper last year. So they're going to go in on Hooper. Again Absolutely. And- the, the, this time of year, the people drafting are the, the sharp high stakes or diehard right. types come right. August. I Hooper is definitely going to go too high. Yep. I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. Yeah. And I think Fournette, I, I have, I'm not ripping Fournette as a player necessarily. I'm not, Probably I'm not his biggest fan. He's not going to lead the Jags in receptions again. That's exactly <laughs> that's that, that's the thing. There, for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. Um, now number four is interesting, and I guess it makes sense in that people will be reaching higher for him this year than last year. But Lamar Jackson's four. Yeah. Um, and again, we're redraft right now, not not dynasty. Right. But I guess the, the the rationale here is some regression, just natural regression, and then the fact that people are going to be I mean, I, I, I was heavy Lamar last year, but most of my shares were in, in or around the eighth round. Mm-hmm. No way that's – you're not getting Lamar in the eighth round this year. No, absolutely not. He's a, he's a top four round guy yeah. in basically any draft, one QB or two QB. Two QB or super flex, he's a first round guy is what he is. Right. Um, but the, you're, you're, especially the later we go in the offseason – you're going to get the people who Lamar Jackson literally won weeks. He was an insta win in some oh, weeks of the season last season. One interesting thing about him for me is in the four bowls that I played in, I had Jackson in three of them and I won two. And the two that I lost were Jackson teams. It's just sort of strange. Hmm. Um, and my, my radio partner, Jim Hackett and I, we faced each other in two different leagues. His Lamar team lost to my team and then my Lamar team lost to his team. So sort of we we figured it would be the other way around going in. No, um, the Ravens do have like the easiest schedule in, in the NFL. Apparently. But and then the, the other thing to change, factor in yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, the, the one other thing I would throw in with Lamar is more people who can score goal line that they may not need to run him as much right. inside the five. Right. That's that's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. So number five is Mike Evans. And Evans is interesting. Um if you here's the thing about Evans that confuses me, Brady, his ADP is actually pretty high. Yeah, I, I see a lot of people talking about Brady like he's a QB one this I, year. I think yeah, I think a lot of people feel like he's at that back end of the top twelve quarterbacks, like 11, yeah. 12, 13, right in that range. If that were to hold and come to fruition and be the case, I think Evans is going to be really good. I just don't have Brady that high, and I am worried about Evans, so I can see him being a seasonal fade. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I I think Evans is the le- least likely to be to be uh, supported by Brady. I think uh, <laughs> I think more checks down check downs to running backs, tight ends, and uh, Chris Godwin when he does go in the slot, which is you know has been most of the time. Uh, no, I think you're right. And then uh, one of the Scotty big problems- Miller might even <laughs> might even find some fantasy relevance from time. Well, to you've time. got you've got you've got a whole bunch of tight ends that can play inside, and um, plus Godwin, and then for 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 Evans to do damage downfield, Brady needs time, and and the Buccaneers, 
Yeah, they don't have a line to give him time. Yeah, I'll believe that they're going to protect Brady for a duration when I see it. I I don't have a problem with Evans as a fantasy asset. It's probably uh, the fact that he probably just shouldn't be a top three round pick. And and his name and his uh, production with uh, Aired Out Winston is is going to put him way too high. And then the other thing that helps Evans is that even a bad Mike Evans year so far has been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, it's the, guys never really killed you ever. Yeah, thousand yards every year. It's just. Um, yeah. n- num- I'm just going to go through these real quick. Number six is predictable. Aaron Jones, Packers. What? He's not going to score like what 19 rushing touchdowns again? Or well, I, like TD regression was going to be a thing no matter <laughs> what, right? Yeah. Um, but see, now I'm a huge fan of AJ Dillon. I love AJ Dillon, and it's hard to envision Dillon not hurting him at the strike. Yeah. And so now you have a two-pronged thing with the touchdowns. You've got the natural regression, and you've got the the, the new rooster in the hen hut. So and, and you got and you got Lafleur, who who loved splitting carries in Tennessee, and he he even tried to split carries last year, but it, Aaron Jones was just too much better. Yeah. So he went out and he's like, "I need to get another running back so I can implement well, my split." To your point. Even Jones being better, like, wasn't enough to get it done. It's like when Williams got hurt, that sort of it sort of forced his hand a little bit. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, Darren Waller's the next one, and that makes sense. They brought in so many new weapons. He's not going to be the only game in town the way uh, Jared Cook was there before he was. Yeah. I. When, this, this is one of those where Darren Waller has been there. Uh, and he's been he you know Carr liked him last year, and yeah. and it's, we're assuming Carr's going to be the starter, <laughs> and, and and what I I think he I think he's I think he's survived uh, <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. Rugs and Brian Edwards are are both rookies, and they're yeah. going to get like no camp, and possibly right. a shortened season. Um, I I don't know if I hate Waller as much as as some of the other people out there given like if you're talking about the weapons they brought in i don't know how much that hurts him as much as as people out there think i i feel like he'll be okay he's he's probably not going to be quite as good as last year he's not going to get his 11 12 13 target games like he did last year the monopoly money targets are going to be tough. Exactly. Right? He's not going to just completely crush targets like he did last year, but I think he's still going to be, you know, probably a top 12 tight end. Oh yeah. You know, I agree with that. And and in this article, they have him as a tight end five by EDP. So that, Oh yeah. That, that, that is on the high side. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll keep moving here. Um, and I, the, the next two I think are interesting. So Cortland Sutton at eight. Oh. And I really, I love Cortland Sutton. I love I Cortland think, Sutton so much. I, and I, I think he's going to be really good. So but, sad about it. like I'm not. I'm not sad because I I thought that Broncos offense was up and coming already. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. it's just oh boy. Right. Judy gives them a stick receiver, and Hamler gives them sort of a, a speed, you know, whatever you want. Yeah. Right. Just sort of an exciting top off kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. and, and it's interesting. They've got Hamler who can, they can stick and switch back and forth with Hamilton. They come from the same college program, but they're very different players. Yeah. So they've got a lot of good young receivers there. And we're, and that's without even getting into Noah fans. What's crazy is I didn't even hate on Tim Patrick either. So like... Oh, no, no. I was actually going to mention his name. Yeah. Um, no, 
they're, they're very deep. Um, but the one thing that Sutton has over most of these guys is that when you get in that, get in close, he's very good down in the red zone and Noah Fant really isn't. So, uh, you know, and Judy is, uh, you know, yeah. he can certainly do things. Noah down Fant in the red really, zone. really beats a red zone guy. Noah Fant really beats people with his athleticism in, in between the twenties. That's, that's definitely true. Like, yeah. like he's, he's not gonna, he doesn't box out like some, like a Kyle Rudolph. He, he's right. just a super athletic guy that, that, that'll beat you down the seam more than, more than uh, in the red zone. Exactly. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think this whole thing where they've got so many options now, it definitely takes some of Sutton's fantasy ceiling away, but I still feel like he's going to be a pretty solid, high-end third receiver for you i guess i that could be wrong. i love I that i just brought up box you out like kyle rudolph <laughs> like, hey, he how, how crazy good was rudolph in the red zone down the stretch he, oh my he God. really always has been it's just absolutely uh, just hasn't he, gotten as many opportunities but when he does get them he he's great there yeah I, I was gonna say when he was rumored to go to the pats last year in preseason oh my god he would have been amazing yeah Amazing. Okay, next guy up is A.J. Brown, and this is an interesting one because you're looking at a guy who just got better and better as the year went on, Mm -hmm. became more and more of a fixture in the offense as the year went on. Yeah. But he also had a couple plays that skew his numbers. Dear God, did he have some yak. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Like 80 of it on one play. Um, So he's he's a compelling player. In in fairness, he did a decent amount of that in college too. Like that's part of that's part of his game. I don't want to like downplay it. It's part of his game. But man, it's you're right. It does skew a little. Well, what what I'm getting at is it's he's one of those beauty is in the eye of the beholder kind of guys. You can make a compelling argument for him or against him by using the numbers easily. Um, yeah, now not I'm just his numbers, Tannehill's numbers. Like you can, you can make yeah. an argument. Tannehill is not going to be that guy again, too. That's true. Although you know, here's what it, here's what's interesting though. Okay. If Tannehill plays less well and is less efficient, it could increase Brown's volume. It could. Okay. You understand well, what I'm saying? I like, I, I, I will. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about Tannehill's efficiency with their drives. Like they never had to punt with Tannehill. And if he becomes less oh, efficient, right. do they not drive as much? Does Is there not, a, not as many target opportunities for Brown? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. If Tannehill is flat bad, yes. <laughs> if, if, if he's just not, you know, if he's just a little less efficient, I could see that in some ways being good because they just didn't attempt that many passes. That's true. You they know? really didn't. They didn't at all. That's very true. And, and and then the other thing is now Tannehill came in. I'm I'm just off the top of my head. I want to say about week five. Is that right? It feels like it was a little later than that. It feels like it was what? more like seven. But uh, you, you might better. be right. you might be right. It <laughs> might it might have been week five. I feel like it was seven for some reason. Okay. So what I was going to say is, you know, having Tannehill around longer has to be better for Brown. I mean, it has to be right. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no way to argue against that. I mean, even if the numbers were better than Mariota, I would say I'd still rather have Tannehill in there. Okay, Tannehill started ten games, okay, played in twelve, so it's right about what we're, right about what we're talking so, so about. So probably splitting what we yeah, both split, thought. Split the difference. So I, I'm just thinking that when you look at this team, it's got to be built around the power run game and Brown. And I feel like the targets are going to be a little bit more steady. He had when you if you look at his numbers last year, he had 
and again, I'm not looking at them, you know, sitting here doing a live show and I don't have the numbers right. in front of me. Professionalism. Um, but, it, you know, he definitely had a lot of those head scratcher games where the target numbers were really low. I don't think we're going to see those games anymore. Right. Yeah, they, they so can't. I, I, can. I think that lifts the floor a little bit. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. You're not going to see those. Those. You're, you're going to see them try to feed him because they realize he is for, that for example, asset. For, for example, um, Ten Hills four, week six. By the way, so like we okay. literally split the difference. Right. So there was a like for for a month week week four five six and seven weeks four five six seven eight. He's only over four targets one time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's I don't not happening think, anymore. Yeah, we don't see stretches like that, I don't think. Unless the Titans win 40 to nothing or something like that. Yeah, and so, we already know they're not super committed to Corey Davis not picking up that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, for sure. So I, I feel like Brown's target floor is going to come up a little bit. I, so I'm not, I'm not looking at him as a fade save for his ADP getting out of hand. That's going to be the magic question. Yeah, and it could, it it could. In Dynasty, it feels like it's it's gotten a little yeah. out of hand. But right now, for redraft, according to uh, Ryan Halam, his um, he's wide receiver fifteen right now. That might be a little bit rich, but I definitely don't have him below twenty. Yeah, yeah, no, First that's. Yeah, I don't think I do. I th- I have not. <laughs> I've not done uh, my redraft ranks uh, recently. No, I got you. So, uh, well, the next one is Singletary. I feel, like, I feel like that's fair. We can let Singletary go, but I want to get to ten B because ten B I think is interesting. Oh man, and I love Singletary too. <laughs> I like the way he runs. The the thing about Singletary that I could never get past is I, the way he carries the football. Seems like fumble city to me, but he didn't really fumble, so give him credit. <laughs> Hey, if Zach Moss goes belly up, Singletary could be a big winner. Who knows? And I like Zach Moss. As Singletary was like he had a ridiculous amount of ten plus and twenty plus yard rushes. Like he oh, was no he was Christian McCaffrey. He he had Christian McCaffrey type explosive play numbers with like a third of the touches or not even like it's, no no doubt about it. And he ripped the Jets up. Now some of that is that they were you know fairly particular about how they used him. Yeah. So like we see back, sometimes they get good situations and they, you know, they know exactly what's being run for them and so on and so forth. If they up the volume, sometimes that efficiency sort of gets forced down. And obviously when you're ripping off 10 yards of carry, that's going to happen. But um, next guy on the list is Nuke Hopkins. And, you know, how do you fade Nuke Hopkins? (laughs) Yeah, this is an interesting, interesting fade in here because I, I have trouble. Yeah. I have trouble not having him as a first rounder. I'm um, yeah in, a, in an offense that throws a ton, and I feel like is going to throw more. Yeah, I would think so. And you've got and here's the other thing, and this is something Hopkins is used to. But because we because we've got the experience with him with a mobile quarterback, we know that he is one of the best in terms of understanding when a play is breaking down and then right. working to his quarterback he's so good at it so and plus the tempo that arizona plays with as well is just gonna it's just gonna feed opportunity yeah and when when kyler's running around nuke is gonna be his best friend so i don't know it's i mean i i I could see fading him if the adp is like really high (laughs) speaking but if i can get him towards the end of the first i'm not feeling bad about that at all no not at all you're in two right pigs two 
Or is it picks three? I'm sorry. Which what? pigs league? Are oh you yeah, in? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm I'm in pigs two. Yeah. See, oh man, you are in the one. So in in that one, that's the league I went all in on Hawkinson on and Fant. In pigs mm-hmm. one and three, I spent every penny on Kyler Murray. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I, I I mean, I was lucky enough to to sort of buy my way into Mahomes the first Ooh. year. Nice. Yeah, so I got lucky on that one. That's ooh, that's really nice. Yeah, I got him for like eighty-seven bucks. Nice. Yeah, I, 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 I'm. It's hard not to love where Arizona is going with their offense right now, though. Yeah, and I, I, but you know, I understand that when when there is a lot of history behind wide receivers changing teams and then having a down year, and then people are going to point point at Beckham last year, but. And, <laughs> And I can, I can, can you just see people saying, yeah, and it's a Lincoln Riley quarterback. Like somebody will make that connection as if it matters. <laughs> see, let, let me think of all the, uh, you know, when wide receivers switch teams, like when Randy Moss went from Oakland to New England, I mean, uh, it's just terrible. Right. Now that was Randy Moss <laughs> falling into a bad point of his career too, right? Oh, Randy Moss. I love Randy Moss. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, as you know. So <laughs> Randy Moss. Well, it's, it's interesting the way Moss Amazing. has been he's been sort of rehabbed in recent years. Like there are more people willing to go to bat for him as being either the best ever or one of the two or three best ever than Yeah, I feel like he's before. perennially like I think it's he's I th- I almost feel like it's it's a LeBron Jordan argument with Moss and Rice nowadays. The way I see it out there socially, yeah. I don't I don't I don't know that that's fully accurate, but it, it does feel like it's gotten to that point that it, it's There's not to Moss it. and Rice. There's something to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me see. There's and there's a, a similar overlap too in terms of the careers, right? Because yeah, Rice, championships and but Rice played for a year or two and. Moss was in the league. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're saying overlap with, yeah, like the yeah, Seattle yeah. years. And whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, now listen, we've been here a long time already. So I know you've got kids, you've got a life. I don't want to keep you here too long. Um, is there anything we wanted to get to that we missed in terms of football? I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I just wanted to come on and chat with you for a bit. Cause yeah, no, it was fun, I man. Be, I, I, I knew it'd be a I good, can... fun, easy flowing talking. <laughs> I think we did. Okay. Yeah. I think we did all right. I, and I mean, I can listen, I can sit here and do this for another hour. No problem. But, um, I will admit I am officially out of Caribbean cask. Wow! I hit the bottom, the bottom of my glass, and the bottom of the bottle. You did mention you were you were near the bottle of that bottle there. I, yeah. I'm nowhere near the bottle of my freshly opened one. But I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy another bottle of this. Um, it's just tough because I can't. You know, it's it's a little risky to go to the risk the whiskey store the whiskey store these days. Because um, yeah. I'm in New York, man. The COVID, like when you walk outside, you can see the COVID in the air. And oh, I can't. <laughs> it's imagine. like being you ever watch Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. It's like being in the upside down. Yeah, you can see it floating around in the air. Oh man, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, if I was in New York, I don't think I would uh, venture out quite as much as I do. Like here in Minnesota, yeah. we have. I I I think I saw the other day with it. Like we have the lowest per capita rate or something oh, in the country. God bless you, man. And that's like, awesome. So we go out and and people do wear masks and some people don't and everybody is keeping their distance. But people are still like you know, 
two people playing basketball or one person right. playing two people playing tennis or people jogging, but everyone's, you know, keeping a safe distance, but it's, yeah, yeah I can't even imagine what it's like in New York. Well, I mean, I, you know, a month ago, six weeks ago, it was scary, you know, like yeah. you're sort of scared. Yeah. Um, but now like, you know, I don't know if the reality on the ground has changed that much. It's definitely gotten a little bit better, but it's just life. You get used to it. This is the new thing and we're learning to live with it. And yep. every, every week we get a little better at it, finding new ways to get food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's challenging, but we're getting better at it. Yeah. Um, anyway. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed this bottle of Balvini, man, of uh, Balvini, excuse me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have bought it if it wasn't for you. So thank you very much. Yeah. I highly recommend people, uh, people try out the, the 14 year. That's such a good, such a good one. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement before I let you go, throw out a couple more. Like if you were just wanting to get a couple whiskeys out there that you would love to see other people try. And, and, so, and, you know, stuff that's somewhere within the realm of affordability. G- give me, give me a couple, give you, me a couple of the Scott you, Fish go-tos. You know, I think I mentioned the Grangestone rum cask one. Um, yeah. I always mention the Belvini Doublewood, I, I think. And I mentioned the Buffalo Trace cause it's nice and cheap. Uh, I yeah. think another one that I really like every time I have it, it's, it's, it's just a smooth, nice, easy, uh, I actually think it's an Irish whiskey. Um, I'm going to look that up as I talk because I'm pretty sure it's an Irish whiskey. Uh, is Writer's Tears. Have you ever had that? I am looking at a bottle of Writer's Tears right now. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it is it is an Irish whiskey, a double oak. Um, it's uh, it's yeah. absolutely an Irish whiskey, 100%. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I really enjoy that as a, as a nice light whiskey to just, uh, you know, it's, it's just a smooth sipping whiskey is what it is. Yeah. I like Irish whiskey. That's uh, I, I'm a regular Jameson drinker, writer's tears, red breast is good stuff. Um, green spot, really good stuff. Um, those are sort of my Irish go-tos. You know, <laughs> I often see people mention uh, a few whiskeys that I just don't like at all because I think they taste like you're chewing on flowers. And <laughs> go for it. And, and that's like, like not the the Four Roses actually isn't as bad to me as like. And I know a lot of people like Four Roses, and they they say that. Well, the thing are, about Four Roses is which one are we drinking? Yeah, exactly. There are there are there are there are certain ones that are much much better than others. Right. And, like and I like the small batch. I think that's what I've been told, and I think yeah. I've just kind of swore it off mentally because of a few <laughs> that I didn't like. But uh, like uh, the Woodford Reserve and Jefferson Reserve and stuff like that. Sure. They're, they're, oh, Jefferson's the one they they age on a boat or something, yeah, right? And and people people love them and I just, I drink them and I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But my uncle's really into the Jefferson. I haven't tried it yet, man. I am not a fan, but here's the thing where I was going is, you know, I, I mentioned these whiskeys that I'm a Balvenie guy. It's, it's my favorite. I I think I've loved every single one I've tried, but that, you know, if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. Maybe you love Jefferson. Maybe you love Woodford Reserve. Maybe you, maybe you're a four roses person. Like, like don't, don't like uh, shame people because they have a different taste in whiskey (laughs) than you. And don't, uh, don't, don't be upset if, if you don't like something we've mentioned, like uh, get your, have your own whiskey taste and don't feel bad about it because it's different than someone else's Uh, enjoy it and, and look for other whiskeys that are like that. And, and there's just such a variety of whiskeys out there that, 
you know what? You get to love what you love. It's kind of like fantasy football. If you like one QB or super flex or whatever, there's so many different varieties. You get to enjoy what you get to enjoy and that's all on you. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I was saying to somebody the other day, it's that whiskey, being a whiskey head is sort of brought out the fantasy footballer in me because I'm constantly looking for different values, you know, <laughs> like, and I, I, like if you ask me, like, you know, there, I, there's about 10 liquor stores that are within shouting distance of where I live. I mean, I can tell you, you know, what, what Oban costs in each one of those stores. Uh-huh. I can tell you what Brooklodic costs in each one of those stores. Like, like if I go to a particular supermarket, I know in the back of my head that the liquor store attached to the supermarket has got cheap Lagavulin 8. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, but that's the fantasy football in me. It's like, I know where the damn value is, baby. It's in round eight receivers. You there know? it is. Nice. And whiskey, nice. It's the same kind of thing. It brings out the, the thrifty value shopper in me. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I think I live so exclusively in the, in the same price range for most of my whiskeys that I, I think that I don't, I haven't looked for like the, if there's a good, good deal or something, sure. But normally I'm like, if you're in the 50 to 70 range, I'm like, okay, just, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with whatever your price is in that range. Cause I, I know have that's you ever tried, I, um Have you ever tried Deanston? No. Mm-mm. I'm a fan. I like the Deanston 12, but it's Deanston the thing about 12. it is it's okay. It's just a nice, solid whiskey. I'm going you know, like to have to re-listen to this just to write down all the ones you've mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I like Deanston is because I can get a, a 12-year-old bottle of Deanston for 50 bucks, and it's always good, and it's it's a nice way to sort of start a flight. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I never end a flight with Deanston, but I like starting flights with Deanston. You, you know what? I tried one the other day that I didn't think was that terrible. And I, I've been told you can get it pretty widely. Like, uh, talk to me. It's called Larceny. It's a bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I like, I'd never heard of it before about a, a funky bottle. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't know, six months ago, I tried a bottle of it and I was like, you know what? This is not bad. A couple people have said that to me. I've yet to try it. Yeah, it's not bad at all. Okay. So one last little uh, recommendation. Give Larceny a shot. Um, So, hey, man, we've already done 120 minutes. This is like uh, old school MTV after midnight. Um, Some people of my age bracket got that. But... um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm that age bracket. I I think. I'm I'm 40, so... Yeah, I got you beat. I'm a Gen Xer, but um, <laughs> hey, I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> You're on the young end of Gen Xer. I, I, I definitely am. That's Gen true. I'm, I'm a couple of years, about two years before the millennials, I think. Two but, or three years. So I now part of me wants to say I'm totally going to get you back on here during the Scott Fishbowl run, but the other side of me goes, "There's no way I'm going to do that to you." <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do as many as I can around that. Time. Oh my god, dude, you do yeoman's work. But it's at some point, you're, I'm going to get you back on the show, definitely, uh, and we'll we'll sip another whiskey. Um, so, anything else you want to say to the audience, my friend? No, I'm good. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a league, you can go to safeleagues.com and uh, that's right. actually do that. You know what? Could, could you sort of just real quick go through? what the offerings are on safe leagues right now. Oh yeah. I mean, we got our, we got your regular dynasty league. We have anything from like, we have redraft leagues. We have dynasty leagues. We have anything from like $5 up to $500. We're mostly low stakes type of leagues. Uh, It's just a lot of fun. Like 
they're really good groups of users and 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 owners in these leagues that they usually create like uh, messaging apps and they they're just a really good set of owners. But yeah, they they do you I, get you know me so there's a lot of unique type of leagues too that I, I, I throw out there. But you know you know that's what I love about you. But yeah. do, do you have when 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 the drafting volume starts to increase, do you start to get different drafting formats like quicker drafts and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. In August, we have, I mean, right now, everything is, you know, slow auctions or slow four hour timer drafts. But uh, closer to August is when I start putting up more live drafts. I might start having live drafts, you know, once or twice a week. Pretty soon I might, because I've had requests. So I might start doing that like Saturday night live drafts or something. But uh, uh, for now, yeah, it's mostly just slow drafts. But if you're looking for a dynasty league or even a redraft league, I mean, we got lots of stuff there safely uh, on Safe League. So, okay. And if you go to your Twitter account, I believe isn't there a link to the Safe Leagues right in there? I'm sure there probably is. I, I mean, you can do SafeLeagues.com or SafeLeagues.Fantasy.com okay, or SafeLeagues.FFL.com. They all go to the same place. Well, hey, listen, folks. I mean, if you're looking for a way to do a dynasty league this year, or I guess redraft too, right? Yeah. Um, you're not going to find, you know, a more secure way of doing it than being in a league run by Scott. It's, it's super safe. I mean, we've never closed a league. Safe leagues hasn't. We, yeah, we we always fill all the orphans, and if if anyone leaves, last year almost like we had almost a hundred leagues that didn't have anybody leave, not even a single. Well, that's person. and that's got to be one of the beauties of you know, being you is I, like, I know I've done it. You'd be like, Hey, we've got an opening in a safe league. I always, when I see that, I always throw a retweet out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's such a great thing that, you know, I have, I have a good enough following that following that's pretty easy to fill, but also I have friends yeah. like you in the industry that you'll help me out. And it's, it's easy to keep these leagues going. Yeah. Well, so you, any, can, hey, you can feel secure can that the work you do building your dynasty team is, is not going to just disappear, you know? No. And that's, that's, that's a really important thing. Right. Ah, well, all right, man. Hey, you've gone way above and beyond as this was awesome, as, man. <laughs> dude, I had a great time. I'm, I'm uh, with the exception of my Balvini being empty. This was great. Um, so, Hey, hopefully uh, we get you back at some point. Absolutely. And, uh, good luck, everything throughout the rest of the year. Good luck with the fishbowl. Um, and we didn't even get into this, but uh, the, the, I, it, I guess it's not totally official, or maybe it is, but the theme of the fishbowl is going to be toys. It is. It is. I figured 10 years, you know, that's, we, you know, it's, it's the 10, it's, it's SFB X. It's the 10 year anniversary. And for, for half that time, at least half that time, we've been really devoted to, to charity and, and buying toys for kids at Christmas time. And it felt like it was just the perfect theme for, for yeah, a It's a good theme anyway. It's some rock'em sock'em robots. I, I told you before, if there's an easy bake division, I want to be in that. But, uh. <laughs> nice. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure that will happen. I'll get me and some like-minded people in the same division. We'll be, we'll be timing out on all our picks. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, buddy, thanks for coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll have you sometime in the future. Um, and thanks to all you folks for listening to the first ever episode of Fantasy Highland. We'll be back soon. Um, I'm hoping my next guest is going to be the great TJ Hernandez, actually. Um, need to set that up. Um, hopefully that'll be soon. But uh, if not soon, it'll be uh, less than soon or something. But we'll be back definitely, I think, within the next couple of weeks with episode two. So we'll see you then. Giddy up. Whiskey River, take my mind.
Take care of me. 